We're back in Romans chapter number 14, and um, speaking once again from what we began last week in regards to the kingdom of God, let's stand and we'll read verses 17 through 19, Romans 14, 17 through 19. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Let's pray once again. Brother Donnie, would you pray for us? Amen. You may be seated. Uh, May the Lord continue to bind our hearts together as a a people here. Um, That'd be a good thing to pray for. I mean, is the fellowship sweet? Sure. Could it be sweeter? Yeah. Could it be sweeter? Yeah. Um, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. We could make it about something like that, couldn't we? People make it about things like that. They make it about secondary matters. But um, I think here Paul is, is calling us, calling the Roman congregation there to, you need to be balanced. You can't, you can't get off here on this tangent, on this one thing and make it, you know, Donnie was talking about we're not all hands, we're not all feet. I said we're not all eyeballs. Um, you know, if you, you make it about one of those things, then you know, what's, what's the body here going to be if it's just an eyeball? You know, then it's not, it doesn't have hands and feet. Um, you know, we can't, 
overemphasize, you know, something to the exclusion of something else um, and make a secondary matter a primary matter. These are things that we've been talking about, just kind of bringing that back in. But if we did, then it would be kind of lopsided. Um, and if we're lopsided enough, then, then we got one leg shorter than the other. We might just walk around in circles, you know, um, and not be able to, 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 to walk in a straight line. Um, but that is kind of a picture in my mind is that passage in 1 Corinthians twelve seventeen. if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the smelling be? And, you know, we could keep going. But whole denominations have been built upon a specific thing, and we might call it smelling, and we might call it hearing, or we might call it seeing, and that's all that it is to the exclusion of everything else because they've made that the primary thing uh, that was never intended to be the primary thing. It's like what we said last week. The Lord said, you ought to have done those things, you know, um, you know, and not left the other, you know, undone. You're, you're straining at gnats. You're swallowing camels. You're paying tithes of, of, of anise and, 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 and mint and, and cumin, but you're, you're ignoring the weightier matters, you know, of the law. Um, we've got to maintain a balance. I mean, Second Timothy 3.16, all Scripture, not just portions that you like uh, or that I like, but all Scripture is given uh, by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction uh, in righteousness. Second um, Timothy 2.15, Paul says to Timothy, rightly divide the word of truth. Um, you know, we can't have this part over here and not that part over there. Um, we got to rightly divide the word of truth. Um, you know, that's one thing about preaching expositorily through a book of the Bible, right? I mean, if I was preaching topical messages, I might gravitate towards things that I liked as topics. Um, but preaching through a book, we've had to encounter some things. There are passages that we've preached through that I would not have chosen uh, just because of the content. Uh, some of the passages that we came across in Deuteronomy, you know, it was like, wow. Uh, I know Albert Moeller, I was listening to him during that time. I don't know if you remember this or not, remember me saying this or not, but he said, if you can preach through that passage, you can preach through anything. Um, I won't go into that right now, but if you want to talk about it later, we can talk about it. But, but um, rightly divide the word of truth. Um, you know, what does that mean, that, that rightly dividing? It means, you know, making a straight cut, right? It's not a crooked cut, it's a straight cut. We had, we had a problem this week with a shower that was installed, um, and the guy that was installing the shower kept complaining about our carpenters, saying, well, they didn't have it square there. And I'm like, well, that's my fault for not putting a square on it to be able to say whether or not you're right or not. Um, but when he finished, he wasn't square. You know, he, he said, I'll fix it. He didn't fix it. He made it worse. Um, you know, so it's making a straight cut. Is what that word divide means here. Uh, in other words, you don't take part of it to the exclusion of something else. You know, it's, it's, the, whole, it's the whole matter, but we're rightly dividing it. Um, but what we're talking about is isolated doctrines that create imbalanced movements. And we've seen it, haven't we? We see it even in our day. Isolated doctrines that create imbalanced movements. It has happened, and it will continue to happen. Um, it's the whole counsel of God, right? It's not just part of it. It's the whole counsel of God. Well, we see some of this imbalance when you get in places, and we've talked about this already this morning, but you know, go to Luke 14. Luke 14, verse number 1. I'll give you a minute to turn there if you want to. I know I don't often do that. I just kind of 
take off and you're like, why am I even trying to get there? He's already finished reading the passage. Um, Luke 14, verse number 1. But I did listen, I was listening to, um, or watching actually a short, well, it wasn't really short, it was an hour and a half. I was watching a, a video this morning, I didn't get to watch all of it, but it was about 50 years of, of John MacArthur pastoring out there in, in, in uh, California at Grace Community Church. And one of the things that has been a complaint that I have heard about myself, but one of the things that was a complaint about him when he first got there was they said he spoke so fast, we couldn't even keep up. You know, he just... <laughs> He just went and he was gone. We didn't even know what he had, had, had really said. We couldn't even make notes. But uh, Luke 14, verse number 1 says, And it came to pass, as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day. So we're taking note that this is a Sabbath day. Verse 2 says, Behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Would it be okay? We leave here later on. Brother JT calls and he says, them zebras got out, brother. Can you come and help me get them? <laughs> it's today Sunday. Would it be all right for me to go help him? Well, sure it would. Sure it would. Well, this is the thing that the Lord's putting before um, the Pharisees here. Verse number four, they held their peace. They weren't going to say anything. I, I don't know why they didn't say anything other than they'd said things before and the Lord had shut them down, you know. Uh, there were those that went to trap him and they came back and, and those that sent him said, well, what what'd you come back with? They said, no man ever spake like this man, you know. And they said, are you his disciples too? Um, you know, but lawyers had, had, had challenged him before and here he was asking them a question and they wouldn't answer. They held their peace. So he takes the man and heals him and lets him go. And he answered them, saying, Which one of you shall have an ass or an ox fall into a pit, and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And again, verse number 6 says, They could not answer him again to these things. But what's the point? They were imbalanced, weren't they? They were lopsided. Uh, they, 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 couldn't, they couldn't accept this. Uh, they, they couldn't receive this. Uh, they, they couldn't receive the Lord when he said, I and the Father are one. They couldn't receive the things the Lord was saying here about healing on the Sabbath. They couldn't receive many things that the Lord said to them because they were imbalanced. Um, there's people that have the same book that you have. They have the same Bible to read from, and yet they will not receive some of the things that are said there. Or they may not even know that there are said there, uh, like the young man I was telling you about you know, last week. We do not want to neglect um, you know, the purpose of being here this morning. You know, why are we here? You know, why have we come together? Well, there's lots of things that we could say, but what's the chief end? That kind of gives you a clue, doesn't it? We came to glorify God, didn't we? Uh, we came to worship him. That's the chief end. There's, there's some subsidiary things, um, but we could get together and fellowship at another time, couldn't we? I mean, we no doubt there's fellowship that'll be had here today, and it's, it's sweet and it's precious, and we're glad for it, you know, but we could have times like that aside from here. Um, but what have we come together for? We've come together to worship, you know, the Lord. Um, this is the thing that here we are seeking, you know, to do. This is what the kingdom of God is, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Um, we can make it all about miracles. Are there not people that have done that? 
Were there not people in the scripture that did that? They followed him. The Lord said, why do you follow me? Why? For loaves and fishes. We've got a food bank in Trinity. That's what it's called, loaves and fishes. But that's what they were following him for, was loaves and fishes. They were following him because they wanted to see the miracles. I mean, you think about years gone by when the circus would come to town. I'm sure those little kids that ran to that circus and that big tent to watch all the things that were going on that, you know, was great entertainment. Um, you know, they, they didn't have much of anything like that to, to look at in those days. And I'm sure they would have liked to have followed. And some did. Some ran away and joined the circus, I guess, you know, uh, did that sort of thing. But these people, like in John 6, 2, great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. So there was something lopsided here. They weren't following, you know, for any other reason than the miracles. That's what they were looking for. Um, how many people have said, and you've heard of people have said, Lord, if you'll get me out of this, I'll serve you the rest of my life. You know, it's kind of lopsided. Um, you know, how about this? How about, Lord, I'm yours to do with whatever you want to do with me. I mean, it, whatever you want to bring into my life, I'm, I want to glorify your name. Um, instead of, if you'll just get me out of this, you know, then I'll serve you. Well, that's kind of lopsided, isn't it? Um, the Pharisees, you know, they were lopsided. Outside they appeared to be righteous, but inside they were full of hypocrisy. Uh, it was an outward morality, but there was no inward um, reality, really, if we wanted to say it that way. That's not righteousness. Outward morality? I don't know if I was able to convey that to some of the people that were here yesterday, but that's, it's not about, you know, making a profession. It's not about, you know, being baptized. It's, there's more to it than that. There's got to be an inward reality. There's an inward life. You can't come to these things and walk away unchanged. I mean, we can't, we can't have just that and, and ignore the fact that we're called, you know, we're not called to have, but we're, we're told in Scripture that, that, that you've got to be born again, you know, that you've got to have a new heart, uh, that there's a change. We're a new creature in Christ, you know. There's, there's something that happens to a person beyond just getting wet, um, you know, beyond just coming up and, and, and sister weeping upon the altar. There's something, you know, more than that because we can play on people's emotions, I mean, all day long, I could go around in town, and I could convince people, just say these words. I could convince people, come Sunday, we'll baptize you, you know, and, and uh, you know, they might go away, we we'll never see them again. You know, we could convince people to do those sorts of things, but that's, a, that's lopsided. You know, it's not a proper view. James one twenty seven. I was thinking about this passage. Uh, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, do you know you did that yesterday? I know everybody couldn't be here yesterday, but that's what was happening. I know we think about fatherless, and we, we tend to think about little kids, but there were some fatherless people here yesterday as far as this world, you know, an earthly father is concerned, and that relation that they had with, with Brother Wiseman. You know, that's, that's no more. They don't have that. What were we seeking to do? Visit them, comfort them, praying for them, um, you know, care for their, their bodily needs, but also, you know, their spiritual needs, if, 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 if we could possibly do that, but to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. When, when Brother Wiseman sat right there, when his, his wife's memorial, you know, was. He wasn't a widow, but he was a widower. And we were seeking to do the same thing, you know, for him at that time. But, you know, what is, what is righteousness? 
Is it just some kind of outward display? You know, is it just something that looks righteous? I mean, the Pharisees looked righteous. They looked really righteous. You know, the, the Lord said, you know, you look really good on the outside, but inside you're full of corruption. Um, you know, what about the heart? You know, what about desiring to glorify God, you know, in our care and concern for the people that were here yesterday? I mean, people can be loving. People can be caring. People can come up and say, I'm so sorry, you know, that, that uh, you know, your dad passed away. Uh, the world can do that, can't they? I mean, the world can say those things. The world can do those things. But what about us? What, what's different about what we do? Uh, what, I mean, we say the same words they say, perhaps, or we'll say some other words, but they don't, they don't know because they don't know the Scripture necessarily. But why are we doing what we're doing? We did everything that we did yesterday. Why? To glorify the Lord. We did it to glorify Him. I mean, that is what is in view for us. Um, you know, there, there are other people that may have a, a, a different end game. You know, maybe they were hoping to gain something, you know, by being here yesterday. You know, maybe there's something that Brother Wiseman left over there at his property, and they're hoping to gain that, you know, by staying in contact with the family and getting, getting close, you know, to them uh, to where when they, maybe they get the things that they want and say, oh, here, you can have the rest of it, you know, and they've gained, you know, something earthly, you know, by that. That's not the gain we're looking for. You know, we're not looking for earthly gain. You know, we're, we're, we're looking for God to be glorified and God to be magnified. Um, so that's what we did yesterday. Um, you know, in, in, in that, that instance, um, you know, we, we, I don't know if they said it to you, but they expressed it to me over and over again. I'm sure they must have said some things to you too, if they knew you were a part of the congregation here. But over and over yesterday, they expressed this, this overwhelming, I mean, I didn't intentionally bring this up here, but you, you, you look at the bottom of what his daughter wrote I mean, all these things that she wrote about her dad, then she gets to the bottom, and she said what her dad loved beyond measure was his church. That permeated beyond the pew into family life with people that were not living next door to each other but were great distances you know, apart, and it found its way here into the last things that were written about him. Um, he was often heard stating that they were his family. He's talking about us, that we were his family. So the outpouring of love that he received from these beautiful people, when I'm not saying these things to puff us up, I'm saying these things to glorify the Lord. You know, why did, why did we do those things? Not for ourselves. We did them for the Lord. The outpouring of love that he received from these beautiful people made an incredible difference in his life. Your love and care for him was real and tangible. I know you all read that probably yesterday, but that is a testimony to the work of God amongst the people, you know, that are here, you know. Sure, yeah, that's something I'll take with them, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. The Lord could bring it back, you know, to their, their memory. I mean, there were, there were several of them. They live an hour and a half away, and they were like, when, when do you all have services on Sunday? Like that's, I told him, I said, that's a big commitment, drive an hour and a half, you know, it's a long ways. I mean, I know they're not talking about doing it every Sunday, but they, 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 they felt something, they saw something, you know, and, and, uh, you know, they, they want to 
you know, be in our midst again. You know, that's again a testimony to the Spirit of God. It's not a testimony to Brother Jerry or to me or Brother JT. You know, it, it's it's a testimony to God. It's a testimony to the Spirit of the Lord. You know, in in the midst of us. Um, you know, we're we're not looking for anything else other than God be glorified. Well, you know, when you look at it in those terms, and we're looking at the righteousness of God, we're talking about the kingdom of God is righteousness. Here's a place that I thought about. Turn over with me to Matthew 5 and verse number 20. And read what the Lord says, you know, about what we see as far as outward morality minus an inward reality. But you, you know how the people held Pharisees and scribes in such high esteem because of their outward morality, right? Here in, in Matthew 5.20, in connecting these things together, the Lord says, I say unto you that accept your righteousness. And you think about all the things the Pharisees did. I mean, they, they were careful to do the tiniest of, of things. I mean, tithing, you know, and, and even these herbs and, and anise and mint and, 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 and cumin, you know, they were, they, were, they were tithing in these very small, tiny details. They were straining at gnats, right? And you're thinking, well, I don't tithe in anise and tithe in mint and tithe in cumin, whatever that translates into under the new covenant. You know, I'm, I don't, I'm not that careful, you know, that, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's got to exceed. How is my righteousness going to exceed their righteousness? What was their righteousness? How'd they go about establishing their righteousness? It's by what they did, right? Yeah, the things that they did, they went about establishing their own righteousness. Your righteousness and my righteousness has to exceed that righteousness. Well, what righteousness would that be? It's an alien righteousness, isn't it? It's a righteousness that comes from Christ, isn't it? You know, we've got to have a righteousness beyond this, beyond what the world can see, you know, beyond what the world can, can emulate, beyond what the world can copy as far as morality is concerned. And that's not, that's not enough. You've got to have more than that. We've already done enough bad. We can't do enough good to cover up the bad, you know. Um, I won't use that as an illustration. I, something came to my mind, but that's not probably, uh, never mind. <laughs> I was thinking of things that cover things up. You can use your imagination. But, but um, you know, we, we can't cover up the bad that we've done with good. We've got to have a righteousness outside of ourselves. A righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. This is the kingdom of God is righteousness. It's this righteousness that's beyond us, beyond ourselves, beyond our stupid flesh. You know, it's, it's that, that that God has borne within us from above. You know, that that gives us a care and a concern, you know, for for a man's family that's that's gone on. Um, that none of his family is a part of the, of the community. None of his family is a part, you know, of the congregation. Uh, but yet we have a concern for those people that he had a concern for. We have a burden for those people that he had a burden for. Uh, we are praying for these people that he was praying for. We didn't have the relationship with them that he did. But there's a soul. There's a soul to be loved. 
There's a soul to be concerned about. There's a soul to be prayed over. Uh, there's a soul that's been brought into, you know, uh, the realm of our, our, our existence, you know, and, and into our lives. I mean, here's these people that have been brought, you know, into our midst. Maybe it's for a short time. Maybe it's for a longer time. Who knows? One of them may decide to move up here and live in, you know, his house or retire up here. You know, and, and decide that they want to come and be, you know, a part of things here. I, I don't know what the Lord might do, you know, with those things. Um, I was talking to Brother Marvin recently. And I think I've spoken individually with some of you about the things that have happened to him recently. And, and the, the, the church that he was just certain that they were going to call him to pastor. And it didn't happen. You know, and he's been praying and looking for and, and asking the Lord to give him somewhere to, to, to pastor a people, to, to, to preach to a congregation and shepherd, you know, a flock. He has a heart for that. Um, he's like, Lord, I'm, you know, I have, you've given me a desire to do this. Would you provide a place? Um, and I told him, I said, Brother Marvin, I said, I don't know, you know, where this is going to end up. The Lord does. You know, we, we, we've been confused maybe by this circumstance that happened and these people that you thought, you know, you were going to be called to pastor the church and it didn't happen. I said, but you don't know and I don't know. And we don't know, you know, in, in, in the midst of these people and other people that we come into contact with, we have no idea. Even amongst ourselves, someone may be listening to you and hear something that, that you say and you weren't speaking to them directly, but it had a tremendous impact you know, upon their lives. And I was telling Brother Marvin, I said, Brother, I said, you don't know all these places the Lord sent you, and he has. He has sent him to all sorts of, of different places, all over East Texas. I said, Brother, you don't know what the Lord may have done with you in those places. And I know some of those places the people couldn't afford, you know, to call a pastor. You know, I mean, they could only afford to have him come every once in a while. You know, they can't afford to have, pay him every Sunday to come. You know, and so there's situations like that. There's another situation I know of where the, where the, the, the pastor um, that was there before, it was just a, a mess. And they are so gun-shy, so to speak. They're, just, they're afraid to, 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 to settle on anybody, you know, because of what happened to them before. There's another one that, that there's a pastor that, that he stepped down. And he's still in the congregation. I don't know what all happened, you know, but something happened that he stepped down. And he's still there. You know, so there's some interesting dynamics, you know, that are going on in different places that he's going to... I said, brother, you don't know what the Lord may be doing with you, you know, in in the places that he sends you. I said, be content. You know, this didn't work out the way that you had hoped. It didn't work out the the way that that we we had hoped for you, but it didn't catch God by surprise. You know, it worked out exactly the way that God knew it would. I said, so be content. Rest in the Lord. Wait upon him. And those are words for any of us, right? I mean, any of our lives, that would, that would be a fitting thing, you know, to say to any of us. Um, but you think about these Pharisees, they, 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 so we, we, we see the outside, and we go to places like Matthew 23, verses 2 and 3, where it says, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. The Lord says, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say, and they do not. They say, and they do not. You know, does that describe us? I mean, I, I tried to convey to the people yesterday, it's more than just hearing. What is it? What more is there than just hearing? Hmm? Obedience, doing. There's doing, isn't there? You know, why do you do? Why do you care to do? 
Why do you care to do what you hear? Because you love the Lord. You know, I started out with that passage of Scripture yesterday that if a man doesn't love the Lord, let him be, what? Anathema. Let him be cursed. Yeah, let him be cursed. And I ask him, do you love the Lord? Do we love the Lord? I do. I do love the Lord. I don't, I don't just love the thought of the Lord. I don't just love the thought of heaven. I don't just love you know, the thought of those. I love the Lord. The Lord has shed his love abroad in my heart. I love him. I love his word. I, I love his commandments. You know, I, I love those things because he's given me a love for them. Um, but here, the, the Pharisees, what, what does the Lord see in their heart? What does he see about them? Well, they'll preach these things, but they don't do them. They're not doers of them. Do as they say, but don't do as they do, because they don't do the things, you know, that they say. Now, what does that sound like? They draw nigh unto me with their mouths, but their hearts are far, you know, from me. Um, back to Brother Barney's statement. I mentioned that yesterday. I know you heard him say it before. It sounds good, but is it good and sound, you know? I love that, that statement um, that he makes, but it's, 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 it's so, so true. Um, but what does the Lord, again, see when he looks upon their heart? Outside of the cup, clean. Inside of the cup, full of ravening and wickedness, is what Luke 11.39 says. Luke 16.15 says that he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. When Donnie was praying a while ago and he was praying uh, for me, you know, that was one of the things he was talking about. It's not to boast. You know, that's, you know, I've been here 26 years. Who cares? You know, how about 26 days? You know, what are you there for? 26 hours. What are you there? 26 minutes. I don't know if I've ever preached 26 minutes. But 26 minutes. What are you there for? You know, I'm there to, I guess maybe I have, Brother Conrad asked me to bring some devotions at camp. I, I may have kept that under 26 minutes, but what are we there for? It says, that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination inside of God, you know? Um, lopsided, severely lopsided. Um, you know, that sort of, a, of an out thing. I mean, they, they were raised on the scriptures. They knew the word of God. They taught the word of God. And yet this is what their heart looks like before the Lord. As opposed to a man who was that, and the Lord arrested, you know, him on his high horse, you know, threw him off of it, you know, right? And you hear Paul saying in Philippians 3, 9, that he might be found in him, not having his own righteousness. I mean, that's what we've been describing about the Pharisees. And he says, not, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is of or which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And then he goes on in Romans 10 to talk about them. He says, I bear them record. They have a zeal. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. That's Romans 10, 2 and 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. What are we talking about? The kingdom of God is righteousness. Right? 
So again, I say these things relating to the Pharisees because our righteousness must exceed theirs. Uh, you know, theirs, theirs is a morality, but it doesn't go you know, beyond that. Whereas for us, Christ is our righteousness. Christ is our hope and life and death. Brother Wiseman laid there on that, that, that deathbed. Christ was his hope. Um, in the end, and isn't it this way a lot of times? You know, I, I watched Teresa suffer long enough that I began to entertain thoughts of, Lord, if this isn't going to get any better, maybe you ought to take her home. This is hard. This is difficult for her. Um, and I've, I've, seen, I've seen couples before where it's that way. I mean, they, they've, they've been married for 50, 60, 70 years maybe, and, and they, they don't want to let go. You know, they're like, Lord, I, I, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could, I, I don't know if I could live on my own. You, you've, you've given me this as, as a spouse and a mate for all these years, and I don't know that I could do this, you know, without. Yeah, we all could, couldn't we? We don't want to. But they'll suffer long enough that person say, Lord, please. And B- Brother Wiseman began to suffer, and he said, Lord, take me home. Lord, I don't want to be here anymore. Take me to be with you. You know, and he, he complains to his daughter, and he says, you know, why am I still here? You know, why doesn't the Lord take me? Um, and the older I get, I begin to understand some of those things. You know, I, was listening, I would listen to my mom, you know, when she was my age, you know, and think, you know, I'm, I'm young, I'm, I'm, we're young, and, 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 and things, you know, I'm not like I'm a millionaire or anything, but, but life was, there weren't a lot of, you know, problems maybe, you know, and you get older and you become less and less, or more and more, we ought to say, disenchanted, you know, with the things of this life. Um, and more and more desirous to have that which is from above, whether that be now, more and more of the earnest of my inheritance. How much can I have, Lord? How much can I have? And, and away with such a thought that people say that you become so heavenly minded that you be, you're of no earthly good. That's false. Um, become as heavenly minded as possible. Uh, you'll become more earthly good uh, and not less earthly good. Uh, but people do say that. Um, but our righteousness is Christ for us. And I sought to convey this yesterday. For us to live as Christ. My life, your life, is Christ. For us to live is Christ. And for us to die, you know, is gain. God forbid, Paul says, that I should glory. What does that mean? What's another word we can use there besides glory? Hmm? Like some, somebody else speak louder, I can't. Pride? Okay, so boast. God forbid that I should boast. Maybe somebody said another word. There's, there's more. God forbid that I should rejoice, let's say, or joy, save in the cross of Jesus Christ. That I boast of myself. You know, Brother Donnie was praying earlier, and what, what did he, he said something that, 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 that really speaks to me because I can do this. You know, problem comes up. What are you going to do with that problem? You're going to try to solve it? Think you can handle it? Yeah, a lot of times we do. Uh, I'd, I'd hear Brother Conrad say that. I was, he said, this thing came up, and he said, I was, I, was, I was seeking to handle this thing, you know, on my own. And he said, I was running into roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, and things weren't getting resolved. It was getting worse. And he was like, what am I doing? 
Why am I not seeking the Lord over this thing? Why am I not taking this to the Lord and say, Lord, here it is. I don't know how long it's going to be here. I don't know what it's going to grow and manifest into. I don't know what it's going to become or how it's going to affect me or affect other people. But here it is. And I, I can't do anything with it. You know, I, I can't overcome this thing. I can't defeat this thing. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to need your grace to deal with this thing. And my desire is that you be glorified in the end of this thing, whatever this thing you know, ends up being. So, God forbid that I should glory or boast in anything save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Sister, that's Galatians 6.14. I, I think about it. Sometimes I think about it. I don't always think about it. Um, I need to work on that. I attempted at one point, I told you, to, to before I would leave my study, to put all those verses and just text them to you. you know. But I run out of time you know, a lot. Um, but First Corinthians one thirty. But of him, of who? Who's him? But of him, of God. But of him are you in Christ Jesus. How am I in Christ Jesus? Of God. I'm in Christ Jesus. Who of God has made unto us wisdom. Right? Has, has that always been the case? Has Christ always been wisdom to you? No, it isn't all, Christ has always been wisdom to us. But he's been made unto us wisdom righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Christ has been made these things unto us. Christ is our righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're talking about here, the kingdom of God is righteousness. Titus 3 says in verse number 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done. That's the Pharisee's position, right? But according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. Do I repeat myself a lot? Yeah. Is it by mistake? Did I forget I said something? No. It's intentional. He says, these things affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Why do we do? He says, these things are good and profitable unto men. Why do we do good works? I mean, the Pharisees, they didn't have a right view of good works, did they? What was their view? I'm establishing righteousness. Why do you do good works? Hmm? Yeah, it's a result of what God's done, you know, within us. Absolutely. So what's the, that's, that's, that's the reason, you know, that, that we perform the good works, but what do we do the good works as an, as an end unto? The, the Pharisees, why do they do it? Praise of men. Why do we do it? Praise the Lord. To praise God, to glorify God. There's the end. We magnify and glorify this righteousness, which is not our own, it is his. We are ever to be about the business of seeking. Brother JT pointed that out to us already today. We're to ever be about the business of seeking. Seeking for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
I mean, what could we say about ourselves if we weren't continuing to seek that? I mean, could we, could we really have a lot of assurance that we know the Lord? You know, I mean, this, this, if Christ is our life, what else are we going to seek? You know, if, if, if he's our all in all, what else are we going to seek but him and his righteousness, his glory, his honor, righteousness in our daily living, that Christ might be magnified. You know, I, I think about those men that sold themselves into slavery. I've mentioned this to you before. But they sold themselves into slavery so they might go to this island that they had been refused. They had requested that they could come there as missionaries and preach the gospel among those that were slaves there. And the people that were in charge were like, nope, we're not having that. And so they sold themselves into slavery that they might be able to go and preach the gospel. And as the ship left its dock... And their family stood there and waved. They, they, they hollered back and said, may the lamb receive the glory. You know, may, may he receive the honor. May he receive the glory. Don't think well of us because we've sold ourselves into slavery. We're doing that which is our duty to do. We're doing that which the Lord has laid upon our hearts to do. We're doing that which he's burdened us to go forth and do in this particular place, in this particular way, at this particular time, all for his glory and all for his honor. So righteousness is our daily living that Christ may be magnified is our goal. Philippians 1.11 says, Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. So justification, we've already mentioned this today, is not the end, right? It's not the end of the Christian life. It's the beginning. Our justification, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I mean, it's, it's the beginning of things. I mean, we've been made right I mean, we have a right relationship with God, and if we have a right relationship with God, then, then these things we're talking about are going to be a reality in our lives. I mean, we desire to go about and do everything that we do to glorify God. That is our pursuit. It is a pursuit after holiness. It's a pursuit after godliness. It's a pursuit after glorifying God in all that we do. Galatians 5.22, you're familiar with that. What's, what's in Galatians 5.22? Hmm? What's talked about there? Come on. The fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. We're to go about those things daily. I mean, just, just in excess you know, wherever, you know, that, that those things can be, can be um, exercised. Exercise them in excess. In the exercise of those things is righteousness. In the exercise of those things is the pursuit of godliness. The kingdom of God is righteousness. That's what we've been called unto. Seek first the kingdom of God and his Righteousness. We're, we're about those things. We're, we're about our Father's business in those things. All the other things after that, the Lord said, those things will be added unto you. You be about these things. Romans 12.10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. 
That's a pursuit after righteousness. That's right in the sight of God. Not slothful in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. That's this pursuit of righteousness. Does it describe our hearts? Are we given to these things? Is there genuine affection, compassion that results, that the end goal of is to glorify God? I always think about it in these terms. Hebrews 13.3. Because anytime any of you are going through something, this is the way I try to think about your circumstances and your situation. Hebrews 13.3 says this, Remember them that are in bonds. How? How are we going to remember them? Remember them and that are in bonds as bound with them. I'm there. I'm bound. If I knew Bunyan when he was thrown into prison for preaching as though I was bound with him, right? Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. We are, aren't we? We're, we're a body, the body of Christ, as suffering with them as going through those things with them. So if there are things going on in the Cooper household that they've told us about and I'm praying about, I'm, I'm trying to put myself you know, in their shoes. You know, are things that, that are going on in your house, you know, Brother Jerry? I mean, my wife's been down in her back before. You know, I, I know what that's like. And ought to glory in it in a sense that I'm able to take care of her. Because she does plenty taking care of me. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I don't... You know what this kitchen sink would look like? If it was just me? What would your kitchen sink look like, Sister Delina, if it was <laughs> just up to the guys? I don't know. Maybe Brother Donnie's good at washing dishes and keeping up with all that stuff. You know, when she's down, I try to keep up with those things because I don't want her to come out of that sick bed and be like, oh, my word. What have y'all done? I know she's probably thinking, that's happened before, you know. Um, but, but even in her case, you know, if she's, if she's not able, and the, the kids are older now, but when they were younger, they had to suffer with a very limited menu when Teresa was sick, you know. And sometimes it came from Whataburger or it came from, you know, wherever I was coming from on the way home. Subway, um, <laughs> <laughs> or mom, mom fixed something, yeah. But um, walk a mile in their shoes, you know. Only walk a mile in their shoes, but go the extra mile, you know. Walk a mile in their shoes. Put yourself as much as possible in their position. Pray for them and do whatever you can. Do whatever you can for them. Um, one, um, I think it was Terry, uh, Brother Wiseman's son, sat right there yesterday. He said something about he'd been sick, and um, he said, my community where I live is not like y'all up here, you know. But he said, um, there's a, an older lady in the community, and he said, she, she met me at the house and brought a big meal, you know, over. And he said, I, I had to take her inside and show her what was in the freezer because I knew that it was going to keep coming. I had to show her, look, we got plenty. We don't, thank you, but, but um, you know, you don't have to, to do that. But she didn't ask permission. She just did it. You know, took it over there and gave it to them. Um, we do what we can. Why? Well, it's just the right thing to do. 
Because my mama said that's what I'm supposed to do. No, no, because we're seeking to glorify God wherever we can. Who knows what sort of an impact that would have. You know, maybe the Lord's dripping in that person's life and continues to drip through other Christians that they meet along the way, and ultimately they're like, wait a second, what is it about these people? What is it about me? You know, what is it about sin? What is it about repentance? What is it about faith? What is it about, you know, the gospel? What is this gospel thing they talk about? Who knows what the Lord might do? Revelation 19, verse 8 says, And to her, that is the church, was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Well, I think we've defined what that righteousness is. It isn't us, and it isn't our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. And the things that we do is because we live unto him. We live unto the Lord, live for him, uh, seek to glorify him in all that we do. But this is the clean, white, fine linen that the saints are dressed in, is this righteousness. So what is the righteousness of the saints except manifest in the heart and the life of the child of God being shed abroad in, 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 in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. You know, this righteousness, this peace, this joy that we're talking about. You know, just to kind of give you a, a, a preview of the peace, I'm not going to go into that today, but the preview of the peace, what's that? Well, I know we have peace with God, but, but if we're going to put it in the context of where we're at, what do we have going on in the beginning of the chapter? I mean, there's weaker and stronger brethren. There's, there's those that can't and there's those that can and it's those that can that sometimes forego the fact that they can, the liberty that they have because of those who can't. And what happens when that happens? There's peace. There's peace. Um, there's a care. There's a concern, you know, for one another. It's that scene that I kind of brought before you last week, you know, where, where here the, these are, are invited over, and you've got a, a, a stronger Christian and a weaker Christian. They're invited over to a person who's not a Christian's house, and there's meat served at the table that's been sacrificed to idols. And the weak Christian's like, I, I can't eat that. So the stronger Christian says, I'm not going to eat it either. There's peace. It's not, I don't know what's wrong with you. You know, you ought to be able to eat it just like me. You know, why don't you grow up? You know, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, that's, that's not what we're called unto, is it? Um, we can pray for one another. If they, if they have a question about why it is that we can do it and they can't, you know, we can, we can have a discussion about it. But, uh, you know, there's, there's peace there, isn't there? You know, when you say, you know what, brother, I'm, I understand. You know, I'm, I'm not going to eat it either. You know, we'll, we'll just not eat it together. Yeah. And what might that do in the face of your host? That host may get very upset. I mean, he went through a lot of trouble to prepare this meal. And you're not going to eat it? And it may be the very thing that provides an opportunity to preach the gospel that the Lord would, would give an, a receptive heart, you know, to hear those things to where they can, he can look and see, well, wow, I, I never thought about those things before. I never understood, you know, what this was about, but now I, I, I see what you're talking about. Um, and what a, what a beautiful thing, you know, and loving thing that is that I'm seeing here going on between two people that are from separate households, you know, um, separate walks of life, but they're seeking to love, you know, one another. So...